It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, boys down with the traitor, up with the star, while we rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting the battle cry of Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on KNews FM 98.5. This is your host, Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help folks protect their families and real estate in their estate plans. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases. It has been my privilege to strike down unconstitutional city ordinances and state statutes. It has also been an honor to represent both Republican candidates and the Democratic Party in proceedings. I also represent farming, industrial, and commercial landowners, and I have served the Superior Court repeatedly as Special Master. On Slow County Public Policy and the Law, office holders, candidates, lawyers, journalists, and activists inform you about policies shaping your lives. That focus brings folks with different viewpoints without being attacked, to tell you about how they think your community can be improved, even if I or station management disagree with a guest's ideas. Last week, I spoke with our congressman from the 19th District, Jimmy Panetta, about the Senate's Bipartisan National Security and Border Act of 2024, then being filibustered by certain Republicans in the Senate. And we heard from Peter Keith and Dee Santos about South County history. If you missed those interviews, you can log on to knews98.5.com for the podcasts. And if you don't see the program you want, there is a link down the page to all of the Slow County Public Policy and the Law interviews from the beginning of the show. And if you go a little farther down, there's a link to the county grand jury website... If you've got 20 hours to contribute to your community every week and you've got some freedom to do that and some maturity and you can speak English, apply to the grand jury. There's a link there so that you can serve for the year starting in July to investigate and make your county a better county. I also had a call from a source right before the show today uh, that... There was some website out there. I think they said it was uh, bureaucraticpolitics.com uh, or maybe .org. And it was putting out a message that one of the candidates in the 30th Assembly District that you all will be voting on this year was not qualified to be voted on or something along those lines. I, I need more information. If you've got more information about that, please email me. Here at the station, it's uh, Stu, S-T-E-W, dot Jenkins, J-E-N-K-I-N-S, at dimescentralcoast.com. Well, in our first hour, we heard from Victor and Debbie Early and former Grover Beach Mayor Debbie Peterson about the Central Coast Blue Water Recycling Authority project and uh, recalls happening of the current mayor and two city councilmen in Grover Beach. But now it is a real privilege to talk with Eric Vitale, Senior District Attorney's Investigator. Mr. Vitale is tasked with investigating real estate 
impersonator fraud that is sweeping your county, your state, and your nation. These impersonators are involved in organized campaigns to list and sell or take out loans secured by your homes, your rentals, and real estate. And Eric Vitale has tips on what to look for, who should be on the lookout, and how you can avoid being victimized. Welcome to the show, Mr. Vitale. Thank you, Stu. Can I call you Eric? Absolutely. Can I call you Stu? Absolutely. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, now, how long have you been working with the S- Slow County District Attorney's Office? I've been with the San Luis Obispo County District Attorney's Office for approximately five years, but I've been a sworn peace officer in the state of California almost 27 years. Okay, so you, you, you're you just a newbie, huh? I am. I'm a rookie. <laughs> well, now, um, how did you get tasked with uh, this particular gig of investigating real estate fraud? Well, I was... I've always been a financial crimes investigator in this county. Okay. First with San Luis Obispo Police Department, previously to that, Atascadero Police Department. Um, my current chief was a former partner of mine when I worked for Atascadero Police Department. Okay. He had a position that was open. He said, hey, would you be interested in investigating real estate fraud? And I said, absolutely. So I came over to the district attorney's office, and that's where I've been ever since, the last five years. Well, t- tell us what's been going on in... Uh in real estate fraud, how, what impersonator fraud, how does that work? Well, Stuart, if you would have asked me this a year ago, you would have heard crickets. I would have said, you know what? There's really not a lot going on in this county. And then in April of 2023, it literally exploded on us. Did it? And it all started off with San Luis Obispo Police Department contacting me. The officer wasn't quite sure what was happening. He said, hey, I had a real estate agent that was uh, uh, listing a piece of property, and then the property owner got a hold of her and said, hey, I'm not selling my property, and he thought it was part of a romance scheme, and I said, hey, hey, let's, let's pump the brakes, just give me all the information, start digging into it. Okay. And that's when it all started. Within weeks, we started getting real estate agents contacting me, property owners contacting me, saying, hey, my property's listed, I'm not putting it up for sale. Everybody was confused. People thought the real estate agents were nefariously involved. People thought the property owners were nefariously involved. And I just began digging into it and basically, essentially finding out, hey, what exactly is taking place? And we have so actively investigating these things. It's amazing what's taking place. Well, now, um, over the last couple of years, uh, how many of these situations have you investigated approximately well over the last couple years yeah i can tell you prior to april of 2023 none there were none none okay april 2023 to as of today i have at least 54 properties that we know are being targeted in this county that's just in this county we also have bleed over from other counties other states um i could probably say that conservatively i'm involved in about 100 different properties that I'm aware of throughout the United States with about approximately 54 in the United, in, in our county. In our county itself. Correct. Are these uh, single-family homes? Are they, uh, you know, condominiums? What, what, what kinds of things are people trying to defraud a sale on? Well, currently, and I'm going to emphasize, I'm going to use terms like currently and generally because this is ever-evolving. Again, I'm getting the temperature from other states, other communities, Mm -hmm. but currently what's being targeted in our county is unencumbered vacant lots, which we have a 
lo- a plethora of in this county. Sure. So not not so much single family homes. I've had one incidence, mm-hmm. one attempt on a single family residence. Interestingly enough, the impersonator, the person trying to to create conduct the fraud, right? knew there was a residence on the property but thought it was vacant. And then he <laughs> severed communication as we tried baiting him into more getting more information. Ah. So he thought there was nobody in the house. Correct. The property owner's like, I'm in this house, I have a mortgage. Uh, and and he mm-hmm. the impersonator severed communication with the real estate agent. So what what steps do these impersonators take to try to commit this fraud? So the first thing that happens is the all these properties, the ownership properties, it's all public record. So the impersonators who we know are operating overseas for the for the most part get lists of vacant unencumbered properties. It's pretty easy to do because even one of the title companies presents provided me with a list which we use to send mailers out to the property owners. You mean you can just contact a title company and they'll give you a list of all the unencumbered properties? I don't know if it's that easy, but I know that if you have the skill set you can and in the time you can do it through the recorder's office. Most of the county recorder's offices uh-huh. all that information is public record and it's on the internet. If you know how to do the search, our county is a little bit uh, more locked down. Hmm. And I think that there are people that generate these things nefariously and sell them and make money and do it for profit maliciously. I don't know who those people are as of yet, but we're still working on it. But they get these lists and they are public information. Once they get these lists, they then contact unsuspecting, legitimate, hardworking real estate agents. They say, hey, they impersonate the property owner and say, hey, I want to list this property for sale. Now, how do they impersonate the property owner? What what do they do? They send an email. Generally, the email has a, not always, but generally has a version of the property owner's name built into the email. And we're usually, we're talking about common email addresses, the, the common ones. I don't know if I can mention the names. But Hotmail, Gmail, exactly, that kind of thing. Absolutely. And they'll some have generally will have a variation of the property owner's name. Not always, but generally. They then contact the real estate agent, either using the real estate agent's published email address that they have on their marketing websites or using some of the common real estate marketing uh, websites, such as realtors.com, Zillow, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they will generate a lead. Using those two different methods, they will contact the real estate agent saying, hey, I am, and they'll give the name of the property owner because it's public record. Right. I want to sell my property. Well, that's just the first step. Let's suppose they get the listing. They sign something, don't they, to get a listing? Absolutely. Don't real estate uh, folks need to see a driver's license or some identification before they uh, let somebody sign a a listing agreement? So there's absolutely no requirement for that. Okay. It's all done remotely. But I will tell you that one of the things that we do is we ask the real estate agent to ask the person who's remotely trying to list their property for a copy of the driver's license. In all instances of our impersonation investigations, they are able to provide a digital copy of a driver's license. Looks real. It looks 
real first glance on a digital copy as uh-huh. a trained law enforcement officer, I immediately look and I go, oh my gosh, really? However, some of them, I would say 85%, have all the proper identifying information for the property owner, meaning the correct name, date of birth, driver's license number, mailing address, physical description. However, the image of the property owner is not that of the true property owner. Now, more recently, a current impersonator, I hope you're listening, he's doing a terrible job. He's got the name right, the address, mailing address, 75% of the time right, the date of birth is wrong, the driver's license number is not even close, the physical description is not even close, and they're poor quality um, images. Okay, okay. Well, now, um, let's say they get a listing this way, and the real estate... Uh, you know, generally, most real estate uh, brokers and agents want to go see the property. Uh, do they end up uh, going to the property at the same time as the impersonator, or is this all done remotely over the phone and over internet? So I can assure you, my impersonators never visit the property, with the exception on a couple instances. They probably looked at it with Google Earth because. One of the things we had the real estate agent do was ask them questions just to see how much knowledge they had about the property. Mm-hmm. And some of the information that they had was clearly from a Google Earth image. Okay. So there are things that the real estate agents do, the questions that they ask when they suspect it's an impersonator to see, hey, if this, how much knowledge does this person know about this property that a true owner should know about the property for instance how many people are on title when was the property purchased things like that nature and that gives me a lot of information that tells me what information my impersonators have access to what is it my uh wife's grandfather used to say you know if it's a diamond worth a dime it's probably worth a dime what happens in the when this person claims that they own the property and they want to sell it? They get a listing. Is there anything about how they list it that look, ought to look suspicious to people? Absolutely. That's another. It's not always, but it's quite frequently. The impersonators will give a reason why they need to sell the property quickly. One of the things that they'll ask for immediately is a CMA. It's a marketing analysis of the property, cost marketing analysis of the property. And let's say the property, the real estate agent says, hey, this property is 400,000. Oh my gosh, you know what? I'm in desperate need of money. Can you sell it for 250,000 or 300,000? As long as it's a cash transaction. Absolutely, it's always a cash transaction. Mm -hmm. The property owner will never carry a note on the property. Now. Our real estate professionals in San Luis Obispo County, if you guys are listening today, you guys are doing a fantastic job. Other counties, not so well. And I mean, explain that some of the other counties, the real estate agents that were contacted end up being the buyers of this fraudulently sold property because they see this great deal. Like, hey, this is a four hundred. They know they can turn it over quickly. Absolutely. And that leads into a whole nother list of problems. Sure. If the impersonator is successful and the real estate agent decides they're going to buy it themselves at that really low price, they uh, they come up with the $250,000 on a $400,000 piece of property. Uh, and we're, how, how does that get transferred to the uh, 
impersonator without somebody noticing in the middle. So very interesting. All the transactions that I'm aware of, the completed ones, and again, we are unaware of any completed transactions in our county, but I get calls from other counties and other states where the transactions have been completed. So for our listeners in Santa Barbara County and Monterey County, you need to listen to Eric Vitale about this. <clears throat> and Ventura County and, there, yes, there's other, Santa Clara County, there's other counties where transactions have gone through. And again, it's not the district attorney or investigators problem. It was a learning curve for the title companies. They've always gone through a title company. And it's not really the title company's job to identify the seller, nor is it really the real estate agent's job to identify the seller. It's actually the notary's job to identify the seller. And that is what our impersonators have learned to bypass or there's a stronger word. Falsify. Falsify. <laughs> Absolutely. Falsify is the most blunt word we can use. Very few people know that uh, being a notary is actually being an officer of the state of California. And, uh, you know, folks pay their $15 to get a acknowledgement or $20 to get a jurat. What they don't realize is that every notary is registered with the uh, county clerk and the secretary of state's office and it's actually an important office. If you were in, if you were south of the border, it'd be a more important office than being an attorney, because they keep all the land records there. By the way, folks, we're going to be having a uh, attorney who practices law in Cabo San Lucas in uh, March, March 14th, I think, that'll thereabouts, and that'll be interesting. But one of the things that I guess I'm curious about is how do these fraudsters go about? impersonating a valid notary or or do they get a valid notary to uh, believe that they're actually the landowner so Stuart in all of my cases I have no notaries that have been compromised meaning a legitimate notary that's decided hey I know this is illegal I'm going to do this anyhow okay in every instant I have legitimate, well-credentialed notaries who are still in possession of their stamp, whose stamps have been counterfeited. And if you think about it, the information you just prov provided explains how my impersonator, impersonator is able to do it. Because once again, a notary is registered through most states' Secretary of State website. Any state, there's going to be a website that's going to list to the very minimum the notary's name, their commission number, and their expiration date. Sure. That's pretty standard on all of the states, at least that I've been dealing Which with. Which is pretty much what the stamp says. Absolutely. So they go to these websites, locate a notary, or they come across a notary stamp on a real estate document, do some research and say, hey, this guy is very well credentialed. And then they go to a very popular uh, e-commerce website. And they order the stamp presenting the information that's required on the stamp, which all the district attorney offices in California are aware of, and we are working on the problem, and there's been some recent good legislation or laws that are passed that's going to hold this e-commerce responsible for what they're selling. Well, at least in California, and, and there's a National Notaries Association, as a matter of fact, um, and my wife happens to be a notary. 
And so when she took her tests and and uh, she has to, you know, every once in a while she has to retake a test and show how much uh, education she's having. But she can't get a stamp until documentation is provided um, that shows that she's qualified. How, how do these uh, fraudsters get stamps without do- going through that process? So I'm going to answer that in two parts. One, California has one of the most stringent, strictest laws. When you request, when you pass your notary certification, they give you a special certificate that's water stamped that prevents counterfeiting. Okay. There's only a few companies that are authorized to manufacture notary stamps in the state of California. You must give them that form. Right. It must go to the notary's address of record. Okay. The major e-commerce website has bypassed all that and I will tell you that I have a notary stamp in my name with a fictitious notary number and expiration date I don't even know how to be a notary we wanted to see if this was as easy as we thought it would be and it was it was extremely easy and all I did is enter in some information did not provide them any documentation I didn't have to create any fictitious documentation and I could choose any state that I wanted to and it got sent to my house for $20 while I was sitting with an FBI agent who was giving me explicitives as I'm doing the saying no way no way no way there's some other explicitives in this and (laughs) then when I received it and sent her the stamp an image of my stamp she was furious I go to different district attorney um Seminars and we present this, and everybody is just gasping. And when I do these presentations to the other real estate and escrow associations, presentations I show them this, everyone is in complete uh, surprise at how easy it was. And I'm not fabricating. All I had to do is go online, type in the information, twenty dollars. It was shipped to my house about eleven days later. Wow, wow. Well, folks, this is Slow County Public Policy and the Law, and there's no more important public policy than how to protect your land and your home. We're having a good discussion with uh, San Luis Obispo County District Attorney's investigator, Eric Vitale, who investigates imposter real estate fraud. Now, I hope you'll stick around after the news. We're coming up on a hard break because Eric Vitale has more information to give to our listeners. And you're going to want to make sure you're here at Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on KNews FM 98.5. 